My writing style is very sensual, as in sensory detail. Laurel Hamilton. Hello and welcome back to the Turn Right Podcast. This is episode 86. I'm Caitlin, your host. Today I want to talk about five different ways that you can add sensory detail to your novels. I've been really thinking about how to make my novels more sensual, more imaginative, and really come alive to my readers because sometimes I, as a pantser, have the tendency to assume the reader has the background or the image that's in my head, and I assume the reader can just read my mind, and I don't need to bog my reader down with all of these details about what the character is wearing, what they look like, what their voice sounds like, and not only that, but I might just leave these details scattered throughout the story, they might come too late in the story, or I'm not using the opportunity to build on what I've already told the reader and give my reader a more complete picture of my character and have them um, really understand my character as the story progresses. I noticed that this is kind of an issue I think a lot of people have. Um, I recently joined a writer's group and I saw some other people's work and I thought this was also very much true that the people could very easily picture their own characters but they didn't realize how it was coming across how it was coming across to other people and the fact that we the reader just didn't have the information to form a complete picture of these characters or these scenes or whatever it was so i hope this list helps you too number one dialogue tags i think dialogue tags can be utilized for so much more than what you think Previously, I was a big fan of like eliminating dialogue tags because, you know, you don't want to use all of these superfluous adjectives. You don't want to make your character seem too dramatic and shocking with your dialogue tags. Otherwise, it feels very unnatural, very amateurish. But when done right, I think dialogue tags can add a ton to your story. So maybe you want to say something, you know, not just he said, she said, but say something like she lifted her head back her blue eyes wide, a shimmer of light hitting her bronzed face. You know, something like that might be appropriate for literary fiction or romance, but we can picture who she is. We know that this is a woman, she has blue eyes, she tans easily, she looks kind of like a sun goddess. But if we just said she said, we would have a hard time understanding who she is. Or if we gave this big long paragraph about her, then that would be like info dumping and boring the reader. You can also um, add movement to your scene within your dialogue tags and say something like he fidgeted in his seat, tapping his white Converse sneaker against the pavement. We know where the character is and what what he's doing. You know, he's agitated, he's antsy, he's sitting down. I think whenever you add sensory details into the dialogue tags, that really helps the piece not get too stagnant. Number two, action versus thoughts. If your character is just sitting around having these long internal monologues, or maybe driving somewhere and having this long internal monologue, there isn't going to be much to describe. Perhaps your character is just, you know, doing some reflecting, which is necessary, but you know, maybe your character um, decides to rob a bank and he's on the way to rob a bank but he gets reminded of all of the things um, you know from his hometown and he drives past the football field and he thinks about when he scored the winning touchdown his senior year of high school he drives past the local dairy mart he thinks about where he had his first kiss with his girlfriend christina oh so many years ago and instead of just like the character is pacing around back and forth 
you know, in his room thinking about if it's right or wrong to rob this bank or if instead of just this like inner stream of dialogue just going through his head while he's driving, we see these memories and we get this sensory detail. And especially if the writer slows down and really takes us back to that first kiss, that touchdown, and we feel the emotions that the character felt in those situations, we feel the excitement, the love, the passion of having your first girlfriend. You know, we feel that excitement and, com- and camaraderie of being on a sports team, of winning a game, of being a hometown hero. And it adds complexity, you know, how did the character get to this point when he had those memories, those good pieces inside of him? Number three, a character profile. I know I said not to do this, but there is a time and place. At the beginning of your story, it might be necessary to do a deep dive on your character. However, I think it's only in certain circumstances. One is if it's a character-driven novel. Like, we need to understand why this character is important, why we need to root for them if there's not a whole lot of action. You know, it's not a thriller. It's not a high-stakes romance. It's just like a YAF coming-of-age story. I think it's appropriate to do a character profile. I also think that authors that do a character profile in mystery, thriller, uh, romance, those more commercially books, I think it's appropriate to do it after the action has been set up and after you're a few chapters in because... I find that whenever authors in those genres really describe their characters and really get into the characters' heads and get into their backstory, I connect with the novel overall more and I'm more inclined to read it again because once I've read the mystery or the thriller once, I know where the flashes are, I know what to expect, and so I'm not going to read it again unless I'm truly invested in the character and the way to invest and the way to get your readers to invest in your characters is to make them as lifelike as possible and you do that through sensory details and sometimes it is necessary to draw on these details in depth and incorporate some backstory in do a profile and spend a couple paragraphs on who the heck is this character number four mix in figurative language don't forget about figurative language like i did Like I said, I started out writing and I like to be flowery. I like to have all of these eloquent sentences and I just love the challenge for my mind of creating a pretty sentence. Then I realized my plots all sucked. I had plot holes, pacing was bad. And so I was like, okay, eliminate the figurative language. And then people are telling me your novel has gone too sparse. So it's really a fine line between, you know, these flowery sentences and the pacing. But I'm just saying, don't forget to mix in the figurative language. Make it subtle. Don't make it too dramatic. It shouldn't be the whole focus of the page. The focus of the page should be the act- should be the action or the character development. But figurative language enhances both of those things. His eyes are as wide as saucers. His smell is, is as sweet as a Hershey's chocolate bar. Don't forget those metaphors, similes, idioms, alliteration. They will all paint a very distinctive picture in the reader's mind. Number five. So what do you do if you're struggling to invent real people or you're struggling to remember what a place looked like and describe it back? You know, as soon as you get back from a trip, you might remember everything in super great detail and you can tell your friends, your family, everything that happens. But, you know, a couple weeks pass by, a couple months pass by, and suddenly this trip is kind of distant in the back of your mind. What I would suggest doing 
is either looking at photos that you took in real life of the place. So I might pull up the Santa Monica Pier and I might notice all the little things about it that I forgot, like the homeless man sitting on the edge of the pier and the way the sky was a cotton candy pink color and the little sign that said, this is the end of Route 66. I mean, I remember that stuff unless I took a picture of it. Um, so I might pull up some of these pictures and look at them and draw on the inspiration of what's happening in those pictures and try to put that down in detail into my story. Or maybe I decide to go onto Instagram and I search for someone famous like Justin Bieber or Taylor Swift or Ariana Grande, or even like a social media influencer that maybe has a couple hundred thousand followers. But I would like look at someone online, like be a creeper and look at everything they have in the picture. You know, where are they? What are they wearing? What are they doing? Who are they with? Are they holding a Starbucks iced coffee in their hand at the beach? Are they seated on a red leather couch with a cigar dripping from the side of their mouth? You know, where exactly are they? Who are they with? All of these things that maybe you overlook in a scene, like you don't realize that it's super unnatural um, in an office, maybe to only have one or two people. And, you know, you kind of forgot that you have to add these background characters in. I feel like that's a really stupid example, but it's just the first one that came to my head. But, you know, you might overlook these smaller details like what's on the nightstand and so on. And oftentimes that doesn't seem super important. But if you notice, some of the most best-selling authors, they get that stuff down to like a micro level. Like I could tell you Emily Giffen's book, Something Borrowed, one of the lines in the first um, chapter is the characters have these um, Fonza brightly colored sweaters. I don't know if Fonza is a designer or a brand or whatever it is. I think the characters were growing up in the 80s, but I know it was like this specific brand was mentioned. And then they're also playing Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen on the jukebox. And I think that amateur writers often don't include those really specific things. I know myself, my first novel lacks a lot of that. And I want to get better at drilling these like micro level details into my story and the sensory details into my story. And I think those are the kinds of things they're going to take my work up a notch and make it a little bit more competitive. So that's why I wanted to share this episode with all of you. Um, these are again based on my own observations, my own research. I'm not claiming to be an expert on anything, but um, the Turn Right podcast is all about growing as a writer and growing within the writing community. So um, I appreciate anyone that follows me on Twitter um, or just listens to these podcasts week after week. Your support does not go unnoticed. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you on next week's episode. As always, keep writing, keep reading, and keep querying, and I will talk to you on our next road trip.